Good evening. We are on Elon Salvation Watch Day 14. More evidence that God may be working on this brilliant man. And Bill Maher, the atheist comedian, sounds like a 1980s Baptist preacher as he takes on Hollywood's impact on gun violence. This is getting crazy. The world is upside down. And it's the height of Pride Month, and I want to show you what the kiddos will be seeing at Pride marches around the country. Warning for young viewers, some content might be inappropriate, so parents take precaution. Plus, I have an interview with my doctor on some of the alternative drugs that have been sidelined from treating COVID and how much of a mess the medical system is in. A doctor with firsthand experience seeing his research submarine joins me for Deep End Disclosure. Lots to talk about. Welcome to your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. Yes, everybody. Good evening. It feels like forever since we've been together on the deep end. Tuesday night, 730. Make sure that you are hitting that like button preemptively if you've never seen this content before, because I'm, I'm guaranteeing if you're a Christian, you're going to like it. And make sure that you subscribe and give the beard some love. The beard needs love. All right. And also click that notification bell, because then you get notified on your smartphone device every time we go live. So let's head into deep end news. Deep end news. News and views that don't make us news. Oh, wait a second. Wait a minute. I didn't even announce that it's episode 30 of season five. Man, am I all backwards right now? Anyway, Deep End News is the following. It is Elon Musk Salvation Watch Day 14, two weeks ago. Tonight, two weeks ago tonight, I told you that it just seems like the Lord is speaking to this man. Maybe. I, I, I don't want to like speak for the Lord and what he's doing, but it's just kind of interesting because we are seeing that he keeps tweeting out the stuff that references Jesus. And another reference to Jesus happened a couple of days ago. Was it two days ago? Uh, yeah, I think so. I screenshotted this tweet from yesterday. So it says 20 hours ago. I think it was two days ago. Uh, Shibatoshi Nakamoto tweets out a response to the crypto winter. I don't know if you're into crypto, but crypto prices are plummeting as we speak. Bitcoin is down below like $24,000. All the substandard coins are also plummeting and everybody is losing hope. Well, not Shibatoshi Nakamoto. He <laughs> tweeted out yesterday, no matter what, it can always be worse. But Elon Musk, check out the response to Elon to this tweet from Elon. What if you're being even if you're being crucified? Hello? <laughs> Why? Why does Elon think about that? That is just so amazing to me. Is the Lord drawing Elon Musk to himself? I sure hope so. God has done this before. He saves notable people in particularly contentious seasons of human history. You know, the Apostle Paul, C.S. Lewis, um, yeah, several atheists and agnostics from before them. Just um, maybe a possibility. I'll tell you someone else that I'm praying for. is a comedian atheist who loves to mock Christianity. His name is Bill Maher. And kudos to Bill Maher because last Friday on his show, he took on... The one organization that seems to be getting a free pass when it comes to the rise in gun violence in our culture. Now, Bill Maher is getting old, and he is living proof that the older you get and the less life that you have in front of you, the more sensible you become by nature. This past Friday on his show Real Time on HBO, he unloaded on the precipitous violence in Hollywood films and how Hollywood never seems to be willing to do the woke thing when it comes to gun violence. And so he made a very salient point when he uh, presented this pie chart and said, perhaps movies and TV and all of their violence has something to do with uh, making shooters heroes of their own imaginations. He says, if you make a movie today, 
You can't make a movie if you, uh, I'm sorry, you can't show bullying. Uh, you can't show fat shaming, slut shaming, girl chasing, gay baiting, ethnic stereotypes, underage hookups where drinking is involved. <coughs> involved. Those things are bad and everyone knows you can't perform, pr platform bad things. But then he says this, you know what you can still platform? One guy who's the hero getting over a grudge by mowing down multitudes of human beings because no impressionable young male would ever imitate that. <laughs> yeah. Like, amazing. Like this is... This is what we used to be saying back in the church in the 1980s, and, and the culture mocked us for it. In fact, I remember talking specifically about this in my church on the heels of several shootings in the early 2000s and late 90s. And, and the culture at the time, if you dare say that, you are all, oh, the evidence is on the complete opposite of the spectrum. What evidence? What evidence are they looking at? He makes another salient point uh, about the movie Top Gun, the the Maverick sequel of Top Gun. And he says this, he says, news is happily reporting that this new Top Gun movie is actually helping the Navy recruit young people for their service, but we're supposed to believe that violence on TV has no impact on the uptick in violence amongst our younger population. I tell you, I tell you, Bill is definitely changing. He's changing. I, I, he says he's not changing. It's just the culture's changing. He's changing. He's coming to his senses because I, I probably could look it up and find him mocking Christians who said that violence on TV would produce violence in real life. I, I probably could find a clip like that. But he is now even saying things that preachers used to say in the 1980s and 1990s. This guy, I really am praying for Bill Maher, Elon Musk, to come to Christ. Let's not forget that, he, uh, that Bill Maher is Jewish as well. So the gospel came first for the Jews. And it would be a wonderful thing to see this man who formerly hated and persecuted, well, not persecuted, really, just, you know, made fun of Christianity, come to Christ. Um, by the way, let us not forget that the news loves to talk about gun violence as long as it's only supporting the narrative of taking guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens in this country. Um, it happened this past week. No one mentioned it. In Nigeria, 50 Christians were gunned down during a Pentecost Sunday worship experience. I bet you didn't hear about it because Christians getting mowed down around the world is not an issue when it comes to gun violence. That doesn't matter. This is from spiked.com. Last Sunday, uh, a, as of yet, an unidentified militant group broke into a Catholic church in Awo in Sando State in southern Western region of Nigeria and began shooting uh, a shooting rampage that left at least 50 dead, including children. Explosives brought the ceiling down on worshipers. The Catholics in the church were celebrating Pentecost, one of the holy days in the Christian calendar. The message was clear. Even Christians in the relatively peaceful state of Ando are not safe. So there you go. There's gun violence. Did you hear about it? No. The world yawns. Why? Because there is this narrative. Again, everything is narrative, narrative, narrative. And we're going to talk about narrative concerning COVID at the end of this episode. Make sure you stay put. It doesn't matter when the news doesn't fit the narrative. We just ignore that. We just don't even talk about it. Nobody needs to hear about 50 Christians in a peaceful worship setting being mowed down by gun violence. Only when the guns are in the hands of certain types of people who we want to take guns out of the hands of. And I'm all for taking, <laughs> making sure that psychos can't get guns. But that's not where they're going to stop. That's not where they're going to stop. Uh, the Prime Minister of Canada just this week said that defending yourself with a gun is not a right that you have in Canada, which is news to me. What do we get guns for? But if you can't defend yourself, what do you get a gun for? Because to me, that might be the only way you defend yourself in this day and age, in this day and age of crazy. Another thing, good news. Let's, let's do uh, good news. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. 
So good for Congressman Steve Scalise. Uh, I believe he's out of Louisiana. He called out the decay of morality in school shootings. In other words, our our social decay has led to school shootings. And he referenced specifically prayer and biblical education being removed from schools. And this is from the hill.com. Republicans pitch religious family values as gun violence solution. And the article says Republicans are pushing traditional religious and family values as a solution to the epidemic of mass shootings, in addition to their calls to harden schools and focus on mental health. This is Representative Steve Scalise, yeah, Louisiana. He pointed to a lack of school prayer when talking about gun violence. And then he talks about this. He says, we had AR-15s in the 1960s. We didn't have those mass school shootings that we see today. And he says, now I know it's not something that people don't, Uh, that some people don't want to talk about. I know it's something that some people don't want to talk about. We actually had prayer in school during those days. We had other things going on in our society where we took a different approach to young kids. And let's look at that. These are tough conversations we shouldn't be having that we're not having about why we're seeing more young kids go astray. And he's 100% right. We used to have the Bible and prayer in public schools and people in the name of uh, progress or in the name of equality or in the name of justice said those were those Bible teachings and those public prayers in the public school system, those were detrimental to the school kids' health. So we took them out. And now we have uh, extravagant levels of mental health. We have school shootings. We have uh, Congress people making arguments to arm teachers. And now we put drag queens in. It's just amazing. Amazing. You take the Bible out and drag queens come in. You take the Bible out and gun violence comes in. You take the Bible out and Satan clubs come in. Hmm, is there a connection? I wonder. I mean, this is how do we not see the last 70 years of our country's history? The trajectory is clear as day. Ignore scripture, ignore God, marginalize the ideals of God's word, and you get the opposite. You don't get nothing, you get demonic activity in places where you should be safe and secure and prosperous. Anyway, that's what's going on with regards to those social issues. Now we are in the height of Pride Month. (laughs) Pride Month. And if you are like me, you feel like this person. There you are just trying to live your life. And uh, somebody (laughs) with LGBT propaganda is literally blowing a trombone in your face. It doesn't go away. It never stops. And it's why I have to talk about this stuff on this channel. And I talk about this stuff year round because there's no such thing as Pride Month. It's Pride every day. It's Pride year. And every year is Pride year. It's just in June, they take to the streets and they celebrate it with grotesque nudity and sexualization in front of children. I mean, if there was a lying problem, like if there's a lying Pride Month, like take pride in lying this month. August is lying Pride Month. I would... I would take that out. You know, if there's an adultery pride month, like like October is adultery pride month, I would call that out. But there isn't one of those. There is this month where we celebrate every sexual activity except the one that God ordains. One man, one woman in holy matrimony. So there's this whole long month right now that we are in the height of. It is what? June 14th. <sighs> 16 days to go. And it is never ending, relentless indoctrination that straight monogamous marriages are evil and everything else is wonderful. Now, let us not forget what scripture says. Proverbs 11, 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Yes. Are we seeing disgrace in our culture? Yes. And 
this is a warning for all the parents who watch this show with your kids. Might want to pause, might want to have a discussion, might want to get a kiddo out of the school, out of the room, because this is what the kiddos are seeing when you go to a pride parade. They're all over the nation in almost every city, major metropolitan area, and it is relentless and disgusting. And you need to see it because this, the reason why I'm going to show you these things, some of you are going to have a problem. Please, please understand why. The way the devil tempts us with sin and me and you and Christians, hey, every Christian struggles with sin. Somebody commented, don't you sin? Yes, I sin. I don't celebrate my sin. I don't take a month to say, yay for my sin. Okay, but here's how sin works. Sin shrouds itself. It shrouds itself. It doesn't show you the ugly part. It doesn't show you like the porn industry. The porn industry does not show you the sex trafficking that it actually causes and how young girls from age 14 onward are trafficked sexually because of the increase in porn and to feed the porn industry. No, that dirtiness is never shown to you. You just see the photoshopped or the, the, the right lighting videotaped girl to whet your appetite for lust and indulgence, right? That you, you, you just see that. Well, it's the same with everything else. It's the same with adultery. We don't see uh, the conversation that we're going to have with our uh, four-year-old and six-year-old because we committed adultery and we're going to have to move out because me and mom are getting divorced or me and dad are getting divorced, or whatever. We don't see that. That's the ugly. That's what the devil shields us from. So we never see that. So we just see the flirting at the water cooler, flirting at the lunch counter, flirting at the, you know, the, 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 the dinner party or the, the, the Christmas party. See, that's cute and that's innocent. And this is exactly how the devil presents sin. He always shields us from the ugly. He shields it from us because he doesn't want to show us just how nasty this can get. And he shows us all the celebration, wonderful. There's nothing, nothing wrong with it. That's exactly what Pride Parade um, is. Well, no, I'm sorry. That's what the, the idea of Pride is. And the Pride Parade is the ugly. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to peel back the curtain and we're going to show you the ugly in the Pride Parade. So this is what the kiddos get to see at Pride Parade. Things like this. Fat, obese, naked men walking down the street naked. Fat, obese, naked men walking down the street, one holding a sign with a uh, picture of underwear with a red line through it saying no underwear. Like this is called pride. This is the ugly that you don't see in the gay pride movement. But if you look closer, look at the next picture. There's a woman holding what I would appear, what, what, what appears to be an 18 month year old girl. And forgive me for, <laughs> forgive me for, uh, you know, assuming her gender. But this, this is what happens. They bring their kids. The kids are being normalized to see images like this. I have videos of pride parades. We can go to those uh, like this one. Half naked men, almost naked men. The woman or whatever, that thing on the top talking about lube. And kids watching, like mother of the year right there. Unbelievable. Uh, this one, grown men walking down the street. I mean, does this, is this like, is this normal in any other culture? Grown, overweight men walking down the street. Some of them dressed as dogs for, I'll let you guess what. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. This is the ugly part of pride right here. And moms and kids. Moms and kids. Bringing their kiddos to it. This is the ugly part of that movement. I got a question for all those churches who think it's very progressive to accept gay marriage. I got a question. Do you go to the pride parades? Do you see that? Do you have no problem with that? Seriously? I got a question for the Lutherans and the Episcopalians and the, you know, the uh, Presbyterians and all those other uh, uh, denominations who have decided that they're just, they're not going to fight culture. They're just going to join in and play with them. Like, do you go to these things and see the absolute travesty that has become 
what this movement was really all about in the first place, but now the, the it's being paraded in front of kids. Are you okay with this? Christian Christians and progressive churches? And you say, um, well, that mom is an exception. You know, moms, moms like that don't exist. Oh, yes, they do. And they write for the Washington Post. They write, write for the Washington Post. Moms who bring their kids to pride parades with the intention to see such things, write articles like this for the Washington Post. Yes, kink belongs at Pride. This is the title of the article, I kid you not, from the Washington Post. Yes, kink, sexual kink, visible kink, belongs at Pride, and I want my kids to see it. This is Lauren Roello. And she literally wrote this article and literally wrote these words, kink visibility is a reminder that any person can and should shamelessly explore what brings joy and excitement. We don't talk to our children enough about pursuing sex to fulfill carnal needs. What? We don't, this is published in the Washington Post. If you think the Washington Post is a great publication, you are sorely uninformed. I mean, we don't talk to our kids enough, our kids enough about fulfilling, pursuing sex, pursuing sex, not education, not bettering themselves, not discipline, not proper habits, not flossing and rinsing with mouthwash. No, we don't talk to them enough about pursuing sex uh, so that they can fulfill their carnal needs and delight and captivate themselves in the morning moment. Sharing the language of King, she writes, with young people provides them with valuable information about safe sex practices, such as the importance of establishing boundaries, safe words and signals, affirming the importance of planning and research. Ooh, how romantic. How romantic. Planning and research for kink. And the need to seek and give enthusiastic consent. Let's take a look at that word consent. Can I ask Lauren Robello, uh, did you ask your kids for consent to bring them to these shameful pride parades? How about that consent? Do you want to get consent from your kid? to say, hey, um, fat naked men are gonna parade down the street in Main Street, we're gonna go watch, they're probably gonna whip each other and be dressed as dogs. Uh, do I have your consent, kiddo, to bring you there? Like, how about that consent? No, no, there's no such thing as that consent. No, 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 we just, we just celebrate pride and we push it on our kids. This is an article written in the Washington Post by a mom. By the way, her full story is, she was married to a man, the man transitioned to a woman, and she just decided, you know what, I guess I'll be a lesbian now. <laughs> so that's who's writing these articles, and uh, that's what's happening on the streets of America during Pride Month. Pride parades, where naked men dressed as dogs whip each other. America 2022. Remember the good old days? Remember when we used to have parades with fire engines and marching bands and color guards and Uncle Sam costumes? <laughs> Remember? Remember when Uncle Sam used to be a man? Now Uncle Sam is a drag queen named Auntie Sammy reading a groomer kid, groomer book to your kids in the public library. Yeah, this is just normal. This is just normal behavior. Don't worry about it. By the way, the people in the highest levels of academia are shamelessly promoting this evil. Highest level of academia. I bring you an article from the bostonreview.net. Keep pride nude. Keep pride nude. Promoting public acts of sexuality to fight, and look at it really closely there. I kid you not, to fight racism. <laughs> Promote public acts of sexuality to fight racism. Dear Lord, you've got to be kidding me. And this is written by a guy named Joseph uh, Fischel. He is an associate professor of women's gender and sexuality studies at Yale University. So this is where the higher education systems are right now. This is where they're at. This is what they believe. This is what is normal and wonderful. And they want to celebrate it. And then they want to push it down your throat. And we're seeing this constantly. We just want to be treated as normal people. This is not normal. This is not normal, my friend. And if you think it's normal, then you, oh, I pray for your heart. I really do. I don't, I don't judge you because you're probably not a Christian. 
But I pray for your heart because this is not normal. And it's just getting started. It's just getting started. Remember those arguments about there's no slippery slope from gay marriage to craziness like this? Those arguments were made by the Huffington Post, Barack Obama, and others. It's falling apart as we see. Amazing irony, by the way, at these events. Amazing irony. Because many of the times of many of these pride parades, you will see these things. You will see Ukrainian flags waving proudly. Ukrainian flags being waved proudly at pride parades. And I only bring this up. Do you know why I bring this up? Because this is how detached from reality these people really are. I want to put a picture up. These are the regions of Ukraine right now. And it's kind of a funny picture, so pay attention real clearly. Uh, Regions of Ukraine that recognize same-sex marriage. So in the blue there, uh, same-sex marriage is not recognized in those regions. And in the green there, same-sex marriage is also not recognized, but it's in green. (laughs) Uh, The point is that... (laughs) They're celebrating Ukraine at pride parades when Ukraine doesn't even celebrate their pride. Ukraine doesn't even recognize the, the, the first step to this nonsense, which is gay marriage. But yay, Ukraine. I know you don't believe my marriage should exist, but yay, because narrative. Because narrative. It's just insanity. It's just weird. Like there's one glimmer of hope. There's one weird little glimmer of hope that I'd like to suggest that um, there is this article and I want to put the picture up here on the screen. This was the article to the right of that article about kink belonging at park parades and a woman wanting her kids to see it. To the right of the article, there is this Google engineer who thinks the company's AI, that is artificial intelligence, has come to life. By the way, they fired this guy immediately. And I think, you know, this is Terminator-level stuff. And honestly, at this point, I kind of welcome it. I kind of think maybe it's time for the robots to take over and wipe us out. I mean, we had our chance, humans. We had our chance, and we blew it. We were doing well for quite a while. The Reformation, the Magna Carta, the Bill of Rights, great stuff. But we lost what we were supposed to do with all this freedom. Welcome, Skynet. Please, attack it, Will. Of course, I say all that in jest. (laughs) Let us not forget, ladies and gentlemen, and Christians, and Bible-believing Christians, most importantly, let us not forget about what's really at heart here, what's really going on. Ephesians chapter 4, 18 describes lost people. It says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice, look at this, to practice every kind of impurity. So these are the definitions of the lost soul darkened in understanding. Their minds are dark. They are not able to see the light. They are alienated from life. They are ignorant. They are ignorant inside. It's not an external knowledge. It's an internal ignorance they have. And then because of that, there's a hardness of heart or the hardness of heart is due, is the cause of the ignorance. And they've become callous. You know what? Anybody have calluses on your hands? It just gets so toughened by repeated use or repeated, you know, work. Well, that's what they've done. They've just become callous because they've given themselves over to the sensuality and they're greedy. That means they never get enough. They never, ever get enough of impurity. And Christians, we are not. We are not those people. We should pray. God, bring a revival. Bring, bring a spiritual awakening to lost LGBT people, QIA people, the alphabet gang. Bring an awakening, a spiritual awakening so that they will see their need for forgiveness, for grace, for God's goodness in their life. And we don't, we don't want to lash out, but we do want to be aware of what is happening in the public square so that we can be parents who speak up. Remember last week I said, I said last week, please, please, please don't think that humility is 
silence. Silence is not humility. Say something. So in Houston, a parent showed up to complain to the school board that without his knowledge or approval, his son was brought to a drag show by his teacher on a field trip. So the teacher brings his kid to a drag show on a quote-unquote field trip. Remember when field trips were to like, you know, Bump, Bunker Hill or, you know, Historic Williamsburg or, I don't know, my in my area was uh, Old Sturbridge Village out in western Massachusetts. Remember those days? Today's field trips are sex capades for sickos in the public school system. Watch this. Uh, my son attended Sam Houston MSDC. Um, his teacher, Mr. Pat- Patrick Pickler, he was his chemistry teacher. He was also a writer for a magazine. An LGBTQ magazine. Writer for LGBTQ magazine. He published an uh, article with a lot of students, uh, and a lot of students on them without authorization. He recruited my son. He also took my son to a drag show when he was underage. Uh, he took him uh, to a drag show when he was underage, and uh, it, it was really bad. It was a really bad experience. Um, he also put him next to this uh, sex offender. Well, he was he was out there with my son. There's a lot of stuff that, that nothing got done. Are you hearing about these things? No, you're not, because no news organization wants to cover this. Because why? Because if you cover this, if you cover the extremes and the evil that underlays this movement and its threat toward children, then you are exposed as a bigot. Now, let me turn to the story on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays players, or Tampa Bay Rays players. Five Tampa Bay Rays pitchers declined to wear the Pride logo for their annual celebration in a faith-based decision. So Tampa Bay Rays, they come out, they say, we today we wear pride on our sleeves, so they decided to give the players this uniform where the logo was draped in the Pride flag colors, and only five out of the 40 players said, we're Christians, we don't look down on this. I mean, they were as, you're going to see in just a moment, they were as... Um, uh, apologetic as possible for not wearing the patch and this made national news because you cannot you cannot offend the narrative you cannot offend the system and so espn commentator uh an espn commentator literally lived out a seinfeld sketch talking about in response to the just five out of 40 players who said we don't out of our christian faith belief we don't want to put this on our bodies watch this from espn's uh show i don't i don't know what the show is but watch this tampa pitcher jason adam to the tampa bay times hard decision because ultimately we all said we want this them to know that they are welcome and loved here but when we put it on our bodies i think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe not that they look down on or anything or differently it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage if it, we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. Sarah Spain, how does that all come off to you? Pride is about inclusion. So you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you're not willing to wear the patch. And calling it a lifestyle reveals to me that you've done not even a modicum of research or understanding on this topic. It's what tends to happen when a privileged class isn't affected by things. This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children, prescriptions, all sorts of rights. And so we have to stop tiptoeing around it because we're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences. Now, okay, if you can make if you can make uh, sense out of her circular logic there, um, good for you. That's unbelievable. But literally, she called it religious BS, 
um, to have a conviction about this. If you're a Christian, I'm sure she'd have a different opinion about a Muslim having a conviction about this. But if you're a Christian, shame on you. Uh, wear the patch. Like literally a Seinfeld episode being played out in real life. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable as life imitates art. <laughs> and, and then this from Axios.com. Uh, organizers of the LGBT pride movements across the city are banning police from their parades. And the reason why, here's, here's what the article says, uh, why it matters. Yearly pride events typically are times for police to march and network with LGBTQ community members, but police shootings of black Americans, see, they always tie it to racism here. Black Americans and the historic fact that Stonewall was a riot against over-policing, which is a cute word for what happened to Stonewall, over-policing have organizers reconsidering officer participation. Now, during the news down there, it says this, the San Francisco Police Officers Pride Alliance recently announced they would not march in this year's pride parade because pride organiza organizers have banned them, banned them from wearing their uniforms. Um, down at the bottom, it says this community would not order the drag community to wear flannel, but they have told us peace officers that if we wear our uniforms, we may not attend. So this is, remember that they were the tolerant group. Remember the tolerant group to tolerate us. We'll tolerate you, tolerate us. Now the tolerant group is no longer tolerant of even the police officers who are there just to protect, who are there who oftentimes, if you see in these pride parades, you'll see the police are just joining in and dancing. But the slippery slope is here. We are full on in it. I saw this meme on Twitter. It is funny. Let us get married. Then it goes to bake our cake. Then it goes to use our pronouns. Then it goes to allow minors to dance for us in drag, which is where we are right now. That's where we are right now, believe it or not. And then pretty soon it's going to be let teachers choose your kid's gender. I mean, this is the slippery slope. This is where we are. And this is what might be where you are. You might be infuriated. You might say, I can't take this. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, because I want to tell you something. Guys, I expose this stuff to you so that you are aware, not so that you are angry. And I get angry, and we need to get angry at the things that God gets angry at, uh, but we don't want to get rageful or hateful. Don't get mad because Jesus is still the answer. Don't get mad because Jesus is still the answer. And I want to take this portion of this talk to share some testimonies from a far less known march that happens every June. It's called the Freedom March, where former members of the LGBTQIA population share how Christ brought them out of darkness and into the light. And it wasn't through conversion therapy. It wasn't through drugs. It wasn't through therapy. It wasn't through counseling. It was through the power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming into people's lives, changing them from the inside out. This is called the uh, Change Movement. We left the LGBTQ movement because we wanted to. Hmm. Right. Nobody forced us. Nobody asked us to. Nobody wanted us to. We wanted to. And there's a couple of founders. One of the founders is named Luis Javier uh, Ruiz. He struggled with same-sex attraction from the age of 10. He turned to God and indulged, turned from God, sorry, indulged a lifestyle privately. In June 2016, he went to the Pulse nightclub and was involved in that horrific mass shooting. And he managed to escape while being trampled and he turned his life over to God as a wake-up call. And today, he travels around the world and preaches Christ. Or Gary Ingram, He's a gay bar he was a gay bartender, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction. He left Bible college to engage that lifestyle for two years, but he found nothing but emptiness. Eventually, he would surrender his life to Christ. He found a community who helped him walk through his temptations and get out of life. And now he's married to a woman with, 11, uh, with two children and married for 11 years. This article from the Christian Post from um, uh, Louise. 
He says God is unifying the body of Christ in ministry to LGBT people, Freedom March leaders say. Uh, this is the article reads, declaring their testimonies of how Jesus has transformed their lives. Former LGBT identified young men and women gathered in Washington, D.C. Saturday for the Freedom March. Gathered at the Sylvan Theater next to the Washington Monument for what has become an annual event in the nation's capital. The hosts of the march continue to see the Holy Spirit doing remarkable work in the lives of people who reach out to them. And that's an important qualifier right there for us Christians. Reaching out to them. Not vilifying them. I don't share this stuff so you can vilify them, guys. I share this stuff so you can understand how to protect your kids. But then ultimately, that you can remember that the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit can work through you and change people's lives. A group of overcomers says, free from the LGBT identity, now coming to a place where everybody here was for gay, was here for gay pride. I love seeing the hand of God. Sometimes church is too churched, uh, Louis, uh, Ruiz says. Sometimes church is just too church. This is part of evangelism to bring people out so everyone can hear the gospel. As an article from the Christian Post. And what a fantastic, what a fantastic news item. What, what a fantastic reality. Now, truth be told, and I want to share this with you. I want to share this important qualifier here. Uh, the, the, one of the founders of the movement, uh, changed movement, named Jeffrey McCall. This is a guy who was um, molested at 10 by a dude, indulged his homosexual desires for a great portion of his 20s, tried to live as a woman for about six years, came out of that lifestyle, surrendered to Christ, and then started this movement. And then he freely admits that during the pandemic, in the 2020 year and early part of 2021, he backslid. He went back to that old lifestyle and he got involved with some men, but he got back out of it. And he shares a powerful testimony on that page. You can look it up for yourself. And some of us might say, oh no, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, hey, hey. That's the struggle with sin. And who among us doesn't have a struggle with sin? Who among us doesn't have an, a sin that we, we continue to uh, act out on and, and hate the fact that we did it and we turn back to God? It, it could be any sin. And, and some of you say, I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. Your sin might be pride. <laughs> that one's hard to see. Religious pride or this feeling of religious superiority because you don't have any dirty sins that keep haunting you. Let us not do what the LGBT movement is doing to uh, Jeffrey McCall, which is using his failures as an excuse to blacklist him and demonize him and put him down. Let us be the church, the church that kneels down with Christ next to the woman caught in the act of adultery, writes in the sand, and then says to the people, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone, and everybody leaves, and he's left with the woman. Would that the church would represent Christ in that mindset. We have people in our church, and I'm so glad about this. We have people in our church, one whom works for us, who came out of that lifestyle. And the woman who works for us, her testimony is that she got saved and three months went by. And then I talked about homosexuality from the pulpit and, and God's word regarding it. And she suddenly realized, and she had the little tattoo of the LGBT flag here. She suddenly realized that that whole desire had been taken out. She didn't even realize it. She was just happy to be saved. She was just happy to be saved. And she didn't even realize that that had been changed. Like, so the message to homosexuals is not get to be heterosexuals. The message to homosexuals is, have you met the risen Christ? Let's not forget what Paul says, Bible camp time. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, he says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, idolaters, adulterers, or men who practice homosexuality, neither thieves, nor greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Like, that's the warning. And, and by the way, it's just one sin of many. One sin of many. Thieves, drunkards, greedy. It's right there with homosexuality. Adulterers, right there with homosexuality, right? And it's verse, verse 11. And such were some of you. 
You, Corinthians, you were these things. You were these things. But now you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. God changes people. Ladies and gentlemen, the answer is still Jesus. Can I get a good amen in the comments below? Can I get a can I get a like from that content right there? So anyway, that is what we should say. That is what our response should be. When we see the 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 unveiling of the dirtiest parts, and I don't even think that is the dirtiest parts, but we start to see even more dirty parts of this lifestyle. It is coming for your kids, protect your kids, but then join with the church. And, 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 and I hope you're part of a church that preaches the gospel and encourages you to invite your gay neighbor, to invite your transgender neighbor to church so they can hear about Jesus and God can change their life. Because my friends, the gospel's doing this, been doing this for 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit never lost an ounce of power over these last 2,000 years. He's got the same power he's always had, the power to change the human heart. Amen. Okay, one final segment today. We're going to do a deep end disclosure. I got a chance to sit down with my doctor and do a discussion about COVID and the pandemic. And this might feel late, but I don't think it is. But he discussed with me the alternative medical treatments that he was aware of that he was working on that had been shut down by several medical journals, most importantly, the British Journal of Medicine or Medical Journal. And he talks to me also in this uh, interview about the World Economic Forum, its ties to Pfizer and how it's poised perhaps to fulfill one of the Bible's most important prophetic announcements before events before Jesus returns, and that is a one world government and how that one world government will control how you spend your money. So check this out. His name is Dr. Uh, Carlos Wambier. He works at Brown University Dermatology and he has a lot to say, and I love his content. Watch this. From 2020, I've been researching COVID a lot. Yes. So I've been uh, in clinical trials and publishing articles trying to, to help people to understand how they can protect themselves. And you have yeah. been attacked yeah. by this. We yes. have this conversation today because I was going back and forth with you. You are my dermatologist. Yeah. We were going back and forth, and we are having this conversation and thinking about how um, medicines that are a, a potential help or treatment to COVID that you believe in as well, where your published findings were immediately attacked by very dark characters in the powerful realms of society. Yes, yes. And that's the scary thing. Exactly, Pastor Tim. There's this thing that some people might call conspiracy, right? Or conspiracy theories, let's say, oh, you're, you're saying that your articles are being attacked by this hidden group or this, uh, that's like a conspiracy theory. Uh, but if you really think that's that's actually not a conspiracy, it's just how uh, industry operates. Right. So let's say if there is one company has one molecule that they want to profit and they invest, invested millions and millions of dollars to have this return mm -hmm. of investment. And then another cheap molecule appears Gotta that might be better than that one. squash the cheap one. There is no doubt that yeah. this company will do everything it can to make that other molecule disappear from the market or, or have some journalists, commissioned journalists, to write something to say that this molecule doesn't work, 
And that's a shame that something happened, so they create a narrative. And, and that's not conspiracy. That's just that's how, how industry operates. And you've lived right? it. Yes. So tell, yes. tell us about a couple of your published findings that were submitted, you said, to the British Journal of Medicine. Yeah, right? British Medical Journal, British, BMG. Sorry, British Medical mm -hmm. Journal. Uh, were then unpublished or retracted? Yeah, retracted. So here's, uh, I'll start with that one. That, yeah. That's an interesting case. So uh, I've been helping uh, Dr. Flavio Cadegiani, who's a scientist in Brazil. He's an endocrinologist. Uh, he has a master science degree and he has a doctoral degree after being an endocrinologist. He's a very serious uh, researcher. Yes. When we were doing a trial in Brazil with this medication that blocks the male hormones, there was this very special patient that appeared. Uh, he wanted to be in the trial with Dr. Cadegiani. Mm. And because this patient improved so fast and we were already uh, uh, doing the trial, and this patient, he was very severe because he was using male hormones. Yeah, he was pumping so himself. He was using uh, oxandrolone, which is a DHT analog. So it's the same male hormone that causes baldness. Yes. And he was using that hormone at higher high dose. So we thought it would be interesting to show to the medical community, hey, watch out for patients who are taking anabolic male hormones. Steroids. They can be more severe. This patient was very young, had no risk factors. Right. Uh, even his family, there's like diabetic patients and everything. Everybody was with better COVID than him. He was really severe. Mm. So we tried to put this word out. But then we, we mentioned there that we used proxalutamide and he improved fast and everything. So after almost one year of this article, which was a case report, a single case report, that article started being attacked by the BMJ, the British Medical Journal. So uh, it was published in a journal called BMJ Case Reports. Mm -hmm. And then the BMJ, the editorial of the BMJ, wanted to remove that article from literature and wrote a media story. They, they had a commissioned reporter who was receiving money to write this story, talking trash about Dr. Cadegiani. Couldn't about, and, and also in that media story, they said, oh, we're ready. We removed that article from, from the journal. Why? Oh, they're like, oh, because we don't know about the use of this medication, if the physician was allowed to use or not. So they were looking at medical ethics through the lens of a journal or a media. A media personality. Yeah. Who supervises medical ethics is the medical council of Brazil or here in the United States would be the state medical board, right? Right. So uh, the ethics is the physician reports about ethics to the council of the medical specialty, right? Or the medical uh, as a profession, the physician council. Uh, and then the journal was trying to judge this action based on some complaints. Complaints. A lot of people started sending emails saying, "Oh, remove that article." And when we asked the BMJ, say, who, who's sending those letters? Please ask them to write a letter to the editor about their complaints. Mm -hmm. And then we'll, we'll be happy to respond yeah. to their letter. And what happened then? They said, oh, like, we cannot say who they were. 
Yeah. And oh no, that doesn't uh, and this is, apply. And this is disconnected from the typical practice of the yes. journal. So medicine. usually if there's a, a journal article and people start to complain, they should complain in a scientific way. Yes. So they should write a letter Documented. to be published mm -hmm. with their name there, their affiliations, their conflict of interest, uh, if they're from a political party yeah. or not. And full disclosure, and they can complain, and they should. And they they should. Should. It's should. part of checks and balances. Yeah. yeah. And then the authors of the article have the chance to respond to that. Yeah. So there's usually the article published, a letter to the editor, followed by the, the response, the response the to that letter. Yeah. And they're always published. And then there's the response, oh, no, I get it. So it, which, which, which undermines the whole narrative of the science is settled. People, when they say the science is settled. No, science is always, never settled. Always changes. Yeah. We're always learning. We're learning. With every step we're learning. Hopefully we're developing for human flourishing, not, yes. not the flourishing of corporate profits. As I'm the corresponding author, I'm still fighting with the BMJ case reports. See, don't retract. Let's open this to discussion. Yeah. You cannot censor. This is censorship. Right. So yeah. you also yeah. found that not just in that one particular case, but through several other, because you were one of the chief researchers on Yes. On so there, there was another uh, article that was also published. Um, I think it was published around February of 2021. Uh, I don't recall exactly, or March. Yeah, uh, it was an outpatient study about proxalutamide. The same trial that this patient wanted to participate, but he was not part. Yeah, the bodybuilder. Yeah, when the trial finalized, then we published that one in the, in the journal called Frontiers in Medicine, mm -hmm. which is a, a company that is based on Switzerland. And they, they have this open science uh, proposal of, let's say, the authors, uh, they go through peer review, and if it's accepted, there is a fee that the author pays to make it open, so people don't have to buy the article to mm -hmm. read. Uh, open access, that we call. So we, we published this article on Frontiers about the results of proxalutamide for outpatients, and it's also going to be retracted soon, or at least uh, the the leader of the Frontiers editorial, he really wants to remove it from the Frontiers of Medicine. Frontiers based in where? It, it is based in Switzerland. 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 Okay, so now yeah. things are getting a little bit, you know, muddy here <laughs> yeah. because we're talking, we're going to get into World Economic Forum mm -hmm. and Pfizer and their connections there. And it's all right there in Central Europe, right next door to each other, which leads us down another rabbit hole. But before we get there, uh, talk about the fact that, you know, what is proxalutamide to the average person? Because most people that I know, that I talk to, that I've, you know, done on the show and talked about is ivermectin and its effectiveness. Where is proxalutamide in that yes. spectrum? Where is that relationship? Well, currently, there is only investigator-initiated trial results published, mm -hmm. which was from Dr. Cadegiani in Brazil, which I helped. And it's way high in the efficacy. It's currently, let's say, the medication that showed better results in the hospital, reduction of 77% of mortality in the hospital. 77% yeah. of reduction. And also high oh, reduction of hospitalizations yeah. before getting the hospital early treatment. How many people were in that study? Uh, the hostel studies, uh, over 600 patients. 600 patients. Over 600 patients. Administered proxalutamide. Proxalutamide. And 77% reduction in reduction mortality. Reduction of mortality, yes. So 
it could have saved millions. Oh, exactly. The hospitalized patient trial had this phenomenal benefit, right? That if you show this to any scientist, the first thing that scientists would do is let's replicate that trial somewhere else. Let's love the results. Yeah, validate us. Basically, in a single state of a single country. Yeah. So let's replicate it. Let's do it now. It's the drug that has the most benefit that we know currently. So it should be studied. Enzalutamide has been tested in Sweden Mm -hmm. by this strong uh, urology group that used enzalutamide for prostate cancer, metastatic prostate cancer, resistant to chemical castration. And then they started this research there in Sweden. And we as researchers, we're waiting, anxious to see the results. Yes, sure. Because that would show to the world that it works. You know, many molecules do the same. Sure. If you block the male, uh, the androgen receptor, you save lives. Yeah. And then they stopped their trial early. They, they were in this phase that they were uh, recruiting some 45 patients. Before reaching the 45 patients, they were in 42 patients, they stopped the trial and they said, this doesn't work. Stop, stop all, all, they said, stop all the anti-androgen trials in the world. All of them around the world. Because of their results with 40 patients. And they were uh, going to the media, they were posting things on Science Magazine, say, oh, we proved to the world that Anti-androgens don't work. And this is in Switzerland? In Sweden. Sweden, I'm sorry. Sweden, okay, yeah. yeah. But there was a study in Switzerland yeah. about outpatients. And I know the, the, the main researcher, he's Portuguese, and he terminated very early. He was... Why, uh, why did like, they suddenly stop the, yeah, the research? That's my question. Why did he stop? No explanation. It shows, and he said, well, you know, we decided that the medication was not working, or there was someone who the sponsors decided to stop. And the, the Sweden group, they, they did this trial called Covidenza. 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 And I wrote a letter to the editor to point out all the benefits that the authors didn't mention. Mm-hmm. So they, they did their own study. They were hiding the benefits mm-hmm. and saying, this doesn't work. Trust me, it doesn't work. Oh my goodness. And then she said, I'll tell you something. The only patient who died of your trial was the patient who was not taking enzalutamide. Only one. Wow. But then there were only 10 patients on that group. So that's 10%, 10% of mortality versus zero mortality on enzalutamide. And then when we looked at the data, they only had one severe patient on the control arm. And it was open label with the patient. Everybody knew which medication. It wasn't a blinded. It wasn't a blinded study. The patients knew if they were taking as a little matter or not. So there was only one severe patient that was enrolled that didn't get enzalutamide. All the other severe patients, they got enzalutamide and they all survived. The slow erosion of um, integrity, you would say, in the scientific medical field. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that it's exactly the integrity because, you know, Sometimes some researchers, for example, the enzalutamide researchers there in Sweden, maybe they were following strictly to the, the integrity. However, when writing the article, when, when seeing the whole data, 
they should have seen little details. Yeah. Right. So the I would say that's a narrative. Narrative. Or, or uh, so the, the slow creation of a narrative that would kind of take control of the health yeah. scientific medical industry. And because I'm a big fan personally of ivermectin, I know my my viewers they like ivermectin. And where you you had talked about with me just a moment ago about those three drugs that were hydrochloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine ivermectin, and nitazoxanate, which I had never Nitazo- heard of. Yeah, it's a medication that here in the U.S. is barely used. Very expensive in the U.S. Very expensive. But not in Brazil. Not in Brazil, not in uh, Europe, was, not in uh, Latin America. And it was proven to be more effective than ivermectin. Yes. But so, in conjunction with what to treat COVID? What was it? Yes. Mean? So uh, Dr. Kadigiani, who is the researcher of COVID, who I, uh, I talk to him basically every week since I met him, was using the three medications the four medications which are being used as usual care in Brazil, mm-hmm. which are azithromycin, mm-hmm. which is an antibiotic. Now we know it doesn't work much. Right. Azithromycin. Azithromycin. Okay, yeah. yeah. Azithromycin with either hydroxychloroquine or azithromycin with ivermectin yeah. or azithromycin with nitazoxanate. Okay. We saw the outcomes of that compared to the historical data. And let's say the patients, there was no deaths. Mm. Uh, all the patients were basically fine. From all three treatments? All the three treatments. So either were, there, were there some severe cases that were treated? Yeah, they, they were outpatients. So outpatients. they were not okay. in the hospital, they weren't in the hospital. Uh, which are the most severe patients. But then uh, the conclusion there is like, either the disease is not as severe mm-hmm. or, or these medications do something, yeah. right? And, uh, I had a medical student, we reanalyzed that data in, with more methods, and we saw that nitazoxanide was performing a little better than ivermectin, and ivermectin was performing better than hydroxychloroquine. So uh, because of that, Dr. Cardigiani, when he started the trials, he pointed out nitazoxanide as the usual care to compare with the antiinjectives. Okay, yeah. Ivermectin also became Huge in Brazil. A lot yeah. of people were using... Uh, and ivermectin yeah. popular in America because it's so readily available and cheap. Exactly. And that's the, the idea of having something that is known to be safe with uh, decades of use yes. in medicine. So we know it, it doesn't cause cancer. It doesn't cause liver damage. doesn't cause convulsions. doesn't, you know, safe. safe. We know the interactions of, with other drugs. And then repurposing or using it off-label to treat a viral infection makes complete sense. And so ivermectin is viciously attacked in this country. Um, people, you all know, over the, the world, all, all over, over the world. Yeah. And all they call the it the horse dewormer. Yeah, um, in Brazil too. Or, uh, this narrative is shaped yeah. around it. But you were telling me that this has been, and, and I knew this already, but I didn't know the fact that you were, a dermatologist has been using ivermectin for decades. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, dermatologists are, are humans. Are like, the, the main thing. prescribers of ivermectin I didn't of know all that. the medical specialties. The corporate medical world is that nobody owns the patent anymore. Yeah, it's generic. It's generic. Many people you can get it anywhere. Nobody's making money on it. Exactly. So, it's what happens is the World Federation, World Economic Forum, and Pfizer team up. Yeah, yeah, why I mean, not? This is, where, this is where we are right now. They're meeting, they were meeting in Davos like two weeks ago mm-hmm. to figure out how to run the world from a centralized location. Uh, it's, read by, it's led by Klaus 
Strauss. Klaus, Klaus Schwab. Klaus, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab, yes. Klaus Schwab. Who I actually have a quote here from the beginning of the World Economic Forum here. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you have here in this room. We have the means to improve the state of the world. And you wouldn't mind it so much if the guy didn't have on the panels right there with him the CEO of Pfizer. Yes. Like he's right there and, in cahoots. And also this. Bill Gates. And Bill Gates. And which basically supports the WHO, which is also an international organization. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how transparent they are. Uh, so I would say it's not exactly a conspiracy. It, they're, it's they're out it there. Out it's just very transparent for everyone to understand. It's easy to understand yeah. how the money that is under the WEF or Pfizer and yeah, how Gates Pfizer's Foundation. Funding. Bill Gates funds and build the future. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have their, their agenda. And this is where Christians get very intrigued mm. because now you're looking at a guy with this really weird German accent, which is kind of <laughs> eerily similar to <laughs> the last century, the problems that we have in Germany. Um, and he's getting, he's getting more and more power and more and more money and support from these billionaire organizations. And in lockstep, in league with him, is Pfizer, who has been behind all of this corruption yeah, or in the, in the medical Pfizer profited many, many billions yeah, during the these, pandemic. And right? these vaccines. The yes. vaccines and the Paxlovid. And then, you know, if Pfizer has support from governments, from uh, so they can, they, they, they get priority. Yeah. Right, if they, they have support or the media is on their side. And now they kind of get really intrigued yeah. because again, it's this one world government taking shape, but not through war and not through domination, but through cooperation from powerful corporations, well-funded through manipulation and corruption that empower some guy in Switzerland with the German accent to run the world. So yeah. one of the things that he promotes is stakeholder capitalism. Stakeholder capitalism, a system in which corporations are oriented to serve the interests of all their stakeholders, not shareholders, exactly. so people who don't financially own the company. Um, among the key stakeholders are customers, suppliers, employees, shareholders, local communities. Under the system, a company's purpose is to create long-term value and not to maximize profits and enhance shareholder value at the cost of other stakeholder groups. So it sounds nice. It sounds peace and love, like we just talked about with Pax Lawman. Exactly. It's, it's a good, it's, good philosophy or yeah. idea uh, that basically is hard to question because of the it sounds so it positive. looks perfect. Right. But then we don't know exactly who appoints who appointed them those people and who how the pawns are being selected. Yeah. Private corporations required ESG reporting. So on top of their financials, they have to be required to report environmental impact, their social, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, implementation. That's where you get diversity, equity, inclusion standards, yeah. governance, who's ruling who, and then people so, voted on to the board from amongst who. Yeah. You get an artist, you get a journalist, yeah. you get a, let's see. A, and sometimes not even people who are financially invested in the company. Yeah, sometimes they don't even know how the company operates yeah. really well. And now or, they're in charge. And they don't <laughs> don't have their shares. Which is why I say that's the that's the pipeline through. Now we're going to make freedom available to you to the extent that you support the social structure, the 
You have to be pro climate change. You have to be pro climate. You have to be pro diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that you're pro all the ways in which companies should be run, and then you get the credit to be free, quote unquote. Then you have a vote. Then you have your license. Then you can buy food. And before you know it, our world is overtaken by a system that has this. Um, this you know, you've got to get through the trials to uh, to have freedom, to have rights. Yes, and Which, it's again, easy to have censorship, censorship. and, and uh, let's say if if all the media is controlled by stakeholders were appointed by the same group, basically no other group can have a voice. It's just to me, it's just good to have a member of the medical community who I can talk to and, and, and um, the audience can hear from to know that what I'm sharing on this channel is not just hypothesis from my own brain, but that... I've researched this, and you've obviously way more professionally been in the business of researching this from the beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. all the way back to March of 2020, which is amazing. Um, is there anything last minute that you want, a last thing you want to kind of share with the audience to say about? Yeah, so I'd like to say forward. that, you know, science changes over time. Yeah. Uh, we cannot say that currently we know everything about COVID. Uh, it's a new disease. It's a new disease, yeah. But and also the variants changed. Now we're understanding the seasons, how the seasons yeah. seems that people winter, are more severe somewhere. in the winter. Sure. Uh, it's good for science to be questioned yes. and to be transparent yes. and to show who are the authors. Yeah. Uh, I would say the worst thing that can happen to science is to have something removed or attacked and then you don't even know who the person who attacked this. Right. Uh, and that's so what you've seen happen for the last We need years. to know. We need yeah. to know who's we need pulling the strings, yeah. who's paying for media uh, news stories. Right. Right? Yeah. And I say, media news stories are media news stories. That's not science. Right. When someone reads a big time with a big title, things like attacking someone, they should know that someone paid for that. Yeah. And they should always question the information. So where did that come from? That's right. I like that. I, yes. think, I think that's where we could leave it. Because that's exactly yes. why we do this stuff. I want people, I want people in my church, I want anybody listening to this channel to be alert. alert. Just be awake to what's alert. happening. So you can make better decisions for yourself, medically, health-wise, lifestyle-wise. And, and I think you'll, you'll do well in spite of what the forces in the dark places of the world try to do to you. Oh, thank you, Tim. Thank Dr. Robert. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. A pleasure to thanks have you. Thanks for all on. the attention. All right. I just want to thank Dr. Carlos Wambier for joining me for that ep that part of our show. And just so you know, there was a lot more to that interview. It went about an hour and five minutes. We cut it down for this episode of The Deep End. We're going to release that on the channel probably tomorrow morning. So keep your eye out for that. Um, and... Let me know if you want to see the whole interview. It's quite interesting and very informative, and I just want you informed. That's really what it's all about. So thank you so much. We want to give that to you. Would love to hear your feedback about it. But uh, look, support the channel if you can. Cash app, Tim Hatch Live or timhatchlive.com slash support. Tomorrow night, I will be back with a deep dive. It seems like it's been forever since we've done that. 
And uh, we're going to be going through Romans chapter 14, 15, I believe. And I am so glad that you guys were here. Remember, the Holy Spirit has not lost one ounce of power in 2,000 years. He's still working for you, praying for you, filling you, with you, will never leave you, and he will empower you. Let's change the world one person at a time in Jesus' name. God bless. Take care.